0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to VUX World, the voice user experience and strategy podcast. Today's episode is going to be an epic episode. We have, I'm going to call him The Oracle on the show today, somebody who has been developing on the Alexa platform since it started. He's got over 30 years worth of software engineering and development experience, aside from Alexa, but he's been developing on the Alexa platform since it began. He is the creator of one of the, I'm sure it's one of the most popular games, certainly one of the most complex games on the Alexa platform, Six Swords. He is Joe, the Oracle, Jaquinta. Hello, Joe.
1: Hello!
2: You're you're very flattering.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we also have Dustin Coates co-hosting once again. Hello there, Dustin.
2: Hey, looking forward to this. Joe, it's going to be a great episode.
0: (laughs) So, Joe... You've been uh, working with the Amazon Alexa platform for uh, three years now, is it three and a half years, something like that? Well,
1: almost coming up to three years. I wasn't there right at the beginning. I was there right after the beginning. There's some people with skills older than mine. Uh, I'm not going to take you know credit where credit's not due, but yeah. But you know, since the beginning, I've probably been developing very intensively. Uh, I mean, I uh, last count, I had I don't know hundred. 100- Somewhere north of 100,000 lines of code that I've devoted to the Alexa platform. So that's that's wow. uh, pretty pretty intensively for for the last nearly three years. Wow.
0: What well, about you, the- Dustin? You you've been on there for quite a while. Uh, when did you start developing on this platform?
2: Yeah, uh, probably a little bit after Joe. Uh, right around when the the SDK beta came out, uh, or actually even before the SDK, uh, but when they first rolled out that beta. But definitely uh, not 100,000 lines of code like Joe's got.
0: <laughs> so 100,000 lines of code. Translate that to hours then, Joe, roughly. Uh,
1: let's see. Um, oh, 1,500 hours?
0: 1,500
1: hours. Wow. Yeah, I, I do it the other way around because it's it's like, you know, I would normally sort of work out how much... T- money I've sunk into the platform, which is <laughs> a factor. Yeah, but uh, about ten hours. Away. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it's really. I mean, I have a day job. I have kids. I do this, you know, after the kids go to bed at night. I spend, okay. you know, ten to fifteen hours a week, which is like two hours a day. You know. Yeah. It's it's and, not actually as much as it sounds.
2: <laughs> and, and how much how much of that time was early on when you were working on it versus recently? Um,
1: it's been fairly constant. Okay, uh, up until December. Okay, after December, there's a bit of a shift, and we're looking at other things now. But um, uh, up until then, it was it was about, I mean, the point is I just do more. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, it's whether I spending the time getting the fundamentals working or whether I'm spending the time getting actual implementation going. And that, you know, does break down into I have a quite sizable uh, library. I have my own SDK, and that's a quite a, a fair chunk of that, which makes each individual skill easier to do. So, you know, kind of breaks down like
2: that.
0: Cool, so Joe... There might be people, well, there will be people listening to this who are, you know, involved in the scene, who are uh, familiar with the you know, like, so the Slack channel, familiar with yourself. But also there may be people who are listening to this uh, who might not even been working in a job for longer than you've spent developing on Alexa <laughs> in terms of man hours. <laughs> but So for those people who, um, who aren't aware of yourself or who aren't aware of Six Swords, who aren't aware of Sazazu, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background and about Sazazu?
1: Sure. Um, uh, Zaza Zoo is a, is a company it's run by my wife. Um, we set up a good few years ago, and um, as a sort of a, a, a side uh, enterprise to you know capture at the time, you know what we wanted to do is like okay, what's new? What can we apply? Are you know because I have a lot of skills but not a lot of time because mm-hmm. I have a day job. Um, so, but I'm very experienced. So we did this and we set it up with um, mobile. In fact, was our first target, and we did a lot of uh, early mobile development. And the aim was to you know and and continues to be to divide our time between our own projects, developing our own intellectual property, to uh, proof out and test new environments and platforms, and to work out you know best principles best practice that sort of thing and then also consultancy for people who themselves want to get started on this and we can you know make available what we have learned about it and you know by by trying the hard things you know by approaching the difficult problems you know and trying to come up with the best solutions we can then advise others for that so mm-hmm. that's what we started off doing uh we moved from mobile when that became saturated um uh, into voice voice looked interesting and said okay well let, let's let, let's go here and we've been here since nearly the beginning of, of the voice stuff now but that's kind of where we were myself I mean I've been a software developer uh, ever since I left college um right now my day job is with IBM uh wonderful company been there oh uh, coming close to 25 years, so I'm an old guy, old guy. Uh, <laughs> been there a while. Have a lot of experience and and I, I know. And again, they're great. They let everybody do things on the side as long as they say that I am not here, I'm not speaking on behalf of IBM or any of, you know, don't try to read anything into what I say about what IBM may or may not do in this space. But beyond <laughs> that, they, they, they're happy to let their employees do these little side projects and say anything.
0: Wicked. And Sazazu, that... Sounds very much like a kung fu move. Is that is is that where that name come from? What does that name mean?
1: Uh, I don't know, but I I believe <laughs> it comes from Sex in the City. So we're a different direction. <laughs>
2: You'd
1: have to ask my wife.
2: <laughs> Fair
0: so you said that you started going into the kind of voice space roundabout when it first started dawning and we we kind of won't get into the details of all of the skills you created the you were on the um, voicebot.ai podcast in September what we'll do is we'll link to that podcast anybody listening to this do check that podcast out because there was a whole load of really valuable insights in there and it's a really interesting uh, podcast let's kind of get to the, the the one of the main skills that you've developed which is six swords do you want to tell people people who haven't experienced six swords what six swords is well, uh, and where it all came about
1: well um six swords is a basically it's D&D by voice that's the simplest way if you've played any role playing game if you've heard of dungeons and dragons you know it's that but you play it by voice okay it's it's and it actually uses a open source version of the first edition Dungeons and Dragon rules for the people who know more about it. Um, but ultimately, in the end, it's like you, you're managing a team of up to six characters, plus six swords, who are all mercenary fighters. And you, there's an infinite landscape, and you run around the place. There's roads, uh, there's cities, there's all sorts of monsters between them. You can go off into the wilderness. There's, you know, essentially an un, you know, ungodly number of. Uh, you know, dungeons to explore, forts to think, temples to cleanse. You know, I've just added in dragon layers and giant halls. And there's all sorts of locations to explore. You can actually even uh, acquire land deeds and actually build your own castles and <laughs> extend them and stuff like this. And you had a castle contest in December that was actually very popular. And somebody built a 250-room castle. It was pretty impressive. Um, so it's this big, huge, honking, you know, open-ended game you know, some people play, spend, you know, tens to hundreds of hours playing. It's 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 been one of the most uh, deeply engaged skills I believe out there. Sadly, not one of the most popular skills. I don't get a huge payout. In fact, I don't get any payout for it anymore. Um, I have, you know, essentially a small number of very intense users, but where it came about and again because again you guys are focused on design which is uh um, where the user experience which i think is is the place and where all these smarts have to go these days um was through our other first game which didn't do so well uh well rather it did really well for a while and then kind of collapses out it's called Starlanes. it was the first massively multiplayer game on alexa uh it you know you are all playing you know there's two main sides you have this you know. Starfield that you can go between, and you're all kind of moving your pieces around the board, each for your side, taking over points and direct players. So you had everybody real time playing each other, moving the stuff around, and it was great. We had lots of engagement, um, but some of the problems happened because they were. It's just the uh, the skill store grew. And it became harder if people no longer stumbled across it by accident. And one mm-hmm. of the main problems with voice apps today is user acquisition, getting people to realize you are there. And so there was a taper off that was partially due to that. The other part was d- pure design. It's like I expanded it too quickly. The new stuff didn't quite fit with the old stuff. And audio models can become overburdened. And so the recognition wasn't quite working right. It was a little hard to manipulate. And, you know, it, it that coupled with the being hard to discover kind of uh, and then design problems. I am a programmer. I am not a games designer. I play games occasionally, but what problem I have is one side won. <laughs> okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't really, like, go back and just steal their victory from them, and it made it a lot less interesting for both sides to play. So these three together were kind of like, ah, you know, and I, I see my mistakes. I see what I can do, but I can either spend a lot of effort in fixing this to try to get it back to what it was, or I can take all those lessons and build something new. And in the end, I, I still would love to get back to Starlanes and fix all the problems with it someday. If we've got anybody who really, really wants to do great voice design and have a whole engine, they want to put a new interface on top of it, I'd be lovely to talk to them. Uh, but what I did is I wrote six sorts. okay? And that was like, okay, let's take a step back. Where do we want to go? What lessons have we learned? And let's try to build something that works with those lessons.
0: Cool. And... When you were building it, we kind of touched on it before we started doing the intros and, and, and that kind of stuff. And you and Dusty were just about to kick off a conversation mm-hmm. about when you were building SixSaws. You were talking about you creating your own SDK, was it? Have I got that right?
1: Yes. Yes, the system development kit. Um, Amazon produces one. Uh, they produce it in a couple of different languages. Uh, I should know that as well, I also develop for the Google Home. So a big desire of mine was to to write once and have it run on both platforms. And neither company is gonna give you a kit that lets you develop for their competitor. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in some ways, you know, I was, you know, I I didn't have a lot of choice, but I also found out through the early one that um, uh, my language of choice is Java for uh, a number of different reasons. And that's, again, mostly I advise people to program what they know the best. For me, it was Java, that's what I wanna use. Uh, their official SDK was very slow on updates there. And uh, a number of other things. It just uh, and there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to do. As I said, it's like the specialty we have in Zaza zoo is I have you know a lot of experience but not a lot of time. So you know I and again we try to do hard things. So the SDKs are really there as from the companies to help people do stuff, just, just get the, the basics going and things like that. And they're beginning to add some more features and stuff to them, but not at the pace that, that I needed them and not on the cross-platform way. So that's why I ended up investing pretty heavily in, into essentially my own software development kit.
2: And when did you start writing this, Joe? How long ago was this?
1: Um, Not quite from day one. I think I went the first six months or so um, using their stuff. It's really... Um I did start moving away from it fairly early but what was the real impetus was when Google came out with their hmm. platform okay now before that um in fact if you look another one of my games Subwar which I released into the public domain and you can find uh, all the source code and some a very long video on the design aspect of the first real-time shooter so if you actually and there's no reason you can't do this in Alexa a lot of people think it's not possible but it's it, it's there. I've done it. It's there. <laughs> There's a lot of some interesting stuff in there to do that. But anyways, um, uh, in that, I outline an approach to take to, uh, because I was doing this, I knew it was going to be in the public domain because it was for a contest. I wanted to get, I want to see more complex stuff out there. So I said, okay, here's going to be a whole thing on architecture. So it's like, it gives you how to break your program into different layers where you have the, the platform layer, which deals with the specific 3 platform, then the audio interface layer, and then beyond that, you have the business logic, or in this case, the game logic layer and stuff like that. So their standard SDK doesn't really... You can kind of use it to do that with, but I wanted something that from the ground up embodied these principles and allowed for easy cross-platform development. Uh, another big thing was I wanted the... Sp- spoken model and the recognition audio model to be together in the same structures, okay? That what it says and what it hears, you can maintain together, because to get this translated, you wanna send that all off together to be translated. And and nobody quite had that. So that's another reason I kind of went my own way.
2: So you've you've written your own, there are businesses coming up uh, like Jovo, who we had on in an earlier episode that do the same, write once, run anywhere. Type of voice first uh, tooling. What do you? How do you see the future of that tooling? Do you think people are going to stick with one or the other? Or do you think they're going to try and hit as many platforms as possible using the same tooling?
1: Um, I certainly think it's advisable to spread your uh, spread your intellectual property as wide as you can. It's hard to answer that question right now because nobody's making any money anywhere. So you know, <laughs> really, the answer is follow the money. You know, if you, if on multiple platforms it gives you, you know, the better chance to make more money, then you should do that, uh, being focused on one. But right now, the platforms are sufficiently, oh, there's sufficient overlap between them that you're not really losing a lot by doing it everywhere, other than if you already have the investment of having something that runs on all of them.
2: And you, you mentioned that in December, you, you changed tactics. Um, yes. And what are you doing now?
1: Well, three uh, D printing. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the reasons why I mean, it's like I guess as I said, nobody's making any money on this. December was kind of our our limit, okay. In the sense that we have this great property, Six Swords. Like I said, we have some really deep engagement. I mean, these people are spending. There's some people that have spent longer playing it than I have spent writing it. Okay, <laughs> I was like, you know, somebody pointed that out on cycle. I'm like, oh my god, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's it's and it's just been really popular in this small field and what i really need is more i've got maybe 50 people who've spent you know you know 20 minutes or longer playing the game okay you know i got some people spend hundreds of hours i mean but you know 50 that's our kind of monetization breakthrough If somebody spent 20 minutes playing this you know spread over a, a day a week a month or whatever then they probably wouldn't be willing to pay a little bit of money for it okay so it basically so anybody who spends 20 minutes we reckon we can probably make ten dollars on over the course of a year that's kind of our monetization targets now the point is it's not worth building in the monetization until you have enough people that it's worth something And i have 50 people it's not worth it if i had 500 people it would be worth it so the whole focus became how do i get 500 people so for the last four months of 2017 that was our focus okay how do we build user acquisition and we tried all sorts of advertising we tried this we tried that we tried putting in cool features and this sort of thing and our goal was to have the best shot we could make on December 26th. That's like um, St. Stephen's spike. If you look at your usage mm-hmm. charts, that's where it goes off the top. It's the most number of users you know, on Alexa and Google in the year. So we hit that. We got a spike of users, but we didn't retain them. Okay, They came, they played it, and most of them went away again. Okay? And we couldn't keep it up there. Okay. And that was, that was our target. You know, it's, we put a lot of effort and stuff into this, but at some point you have to decide that it's time to move on. So from there we said, okay, well let's, you know, and from there we sort of said, okay, what's our next thing going to be? Let's put this in maintenance mode. I mean, you know, we're not running away and dropping our toys, et cetera, et cetera, and running off in a huff. It's like, okay, that didn't work out. Let's keep it in a position where if some key changes are made that enable us to solve those problems, we can pivot back and do something with it. In the meantime, I acquired this you know dedicated base that I really hate. I mean, I feel really responsible to these people that spent this big chunk of their life playing my you know little. I and mean, over the course of the nearly a year it's been out, we've had thirty-five thousand. People have tried it. Okay.
0: Mm.
1: You know, and hardcore players, you know, which is kind of a very small percentage, but you know whatever. It's about I kinda feel a little beholden to them. (laughs) So, you know, I am keeping it in maintenance mode and I'm doing I'm putting what time I can into it. Right now our three D printer is broken and the next one's on order, so I have some quality time I can put into it. (laughs)
0: What what do you think is um... So you, you said that you've done a lot to try and get users. Uh, so some of the content you've been putting out on, on uh, YouTube and stuff like that, that, you kind of touched on the two main points that you make in a lot of the content that you have put out there, which is two of the real challenges in terms of acquisition and then retention. So seemingly you you tried something uh, to try and get users and you mentioned advertising things like that. What were some of the other things that you tried to get users via and do you know whether or not, can you tie any kind of growth in usership to any specific um, advertising that you did? Or was it a general bit of advertising and then a general increase in in users?
1: Well, we've done a general bit of advertising. We've done specific advertising. We've done targeted advertising. We've done AdWords. We've done everything. And they all tie to nothing detectable above noise. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that has ever produced any influx that is at all measurable, even just measurable, has been uh, being on Amazon sliders in the their companion app and being in an Amazon newsletter, okay? Mm-hmm. These are the only things that we have found that move the needle at all mm. on the number of users coming to the system.
0: And then what about, so you'd mentioned that you kind of had a spike around Christmas time. Obviously, Alexa, the the Echo devices, it just kind of went through the roof, didn't they, over Christmas time? Um, yes, yes. So people have people have found it, and then what do you put the um, the problems with retention? You mentioned that you know you had a big spike, and then not many people come back. What what do you put that down to? Do you think?
1: Well, it's there are there are um, structural problems with this as a platform. Okay. You, on a desktop app or web app, I mean, you've got bookmarks. You can say, hey, bookmark us and, and, and stuff like that. And they can go and see there's a history. There's a most recently used list. There are icons that go onto your desktop. Okay. There's a bunch of different little ways you can remind the user that you exist and maybe you'd like to come back to you. Okay. Um, but something even and none of those exist for voice. Okay. Even mm-hmm. something as simple as like sending them an email. Emails are really hard to acquire via voice. Okay, you have to do the only really practical way of doing it is through an account sign up. And that Creates a barrier. People go, and they oh, I don't want to sign into this, you know, and so that they it lowers your acquisition rate. We started off actually with account linking in Six Swords, but we took it away after a couple of months because we needed more users. And it, we, you know, we didn't really want to spam all our users anyway. So hmm. you know, we can do that there. But so the things that um, Google are coming out with some interesting features that they they are they understand it's a problem. Okay. And they, they have acknowledged it's a problem and they have been trying a couple of different things. Okay. They haven't been terribly successful at them yet, but the jury's still out on some of them. But at least they're looking for a solution. Amazon never tells us what they're doing. So we don't know mm-hmm. if they think it's a problem. We don't know if they're trying to find a solution.
2: <laughs> we just have to wait until they, you know, unleash it. Joe, and what, what's your wish list? If Amazon, if Google came to you and said, we're going to hire you, we want you to solve this problem, what would be your top? top things that you would tackle right away?
1: Um, well, actually, uh, a funny side story is that I found out about Alexa in a job interview with Amazon, <laughs> 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 which I subsequently turned down. So they tried that. <laughs> that was you know, nearly three years ago, whatever. But uh, <laughs> The recruiters come to me now and again, but, you know. <laughs> um, anyhow, that's a different conversation. Um, the one thing, I mean, Amazon could change this overnight, okay, if... They let people buy space in their sliders. You know, they have they. You open up their app. There's you know, here's the featured ones. Here's the recommended one. Here's the best ones for cat facts. Here's the best ones for this. All these different. You know, I, I forget what they call them, I call them sliders. They might be called them carousels or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if like say the number two one, like you know, fair enough. They want the number one slot. That's it's their business. That makes sense. But if like the number two slot, not like the number eight slot, but the number two slot was sponsored skills. Okay. Just like you search for something in Google, you get, you know, here's the people who are paying us to put our links here, very clearly marked as that, and then there's, you know, the real results, okay? In the same sense, if they just had one of those for sponsored skills, mm. that we could buy our way onto that, okay? Or in their newsletter, if they said, okay, we're going to stick something in here for, you know, the sponsored skill for this newsletter, and, you know, even make people bid on it or something, because you can only have one in that, you know, it doesn't make sense to have more there, you know? Then, if... They just did that. And then we have some control over acquisition. If we want to throw money at it, okay, we can do it. Maybe I have a crappy skill, okay? Maybe I think it's awesome. I think it's totally awesome, but maybe it's not doing well because it's crappy. I don't know. But no one else is able to control their acquisition. So, you know, we don't know. Either it's a crappy skill or we just can't acquire people. But if I could, you know, you know, put my, you know, courage behind my conviction and, you know, like lay down, you know, take my money and run advertising things and get it out in front of people. Okay. I would have a chance. Then I could make a business out of it. Okay. Right now I can't because I can't do anything about acquisition. Okay. I've tried all these different things. (laughs) It's not a question of like, you pay this much, you get this many users. That's how most platforms work okay they're, they're that doesn't even exist in this one so if i was in charge of amazon you know in in this problem that is what i would do there google are doing some interesting things um they they acknowledge this as a problem okay they don't necessarily have any great solutions for it but uh their um their app is not quite as um uh Pivotal as Amazon's one is for acquisition on the Google platform. I've yet really to work out exactly how to, what's driving it at Google. I know it, there's this, what I call the plateaus. For six months last year, I had a 400% higher acquisition rate. And I have no idea why. Okay. And then it went away. <laughs> it's like, we <laughs> were doing something then, and then it stopped doing it. And a lot of other people have seen this too. So we don't know what that is. There's something there. Uh, Google is going in an interesting direction where they are more tightly integrating um their voice apps with the mobile platform, okay? Mm. So I think that that is a direction that, you know, I would want to know more about where they're going there if I worked for them. But that is kind of why. One of the big problems we have with voice is that it is a transition. It is a separate device, okay? You can get an email and click on a link, your browser comes up, and you're in the property, or you get a download thing or something like that, you're not moving off your PC, you're sitting on your PC, you're in your mobile app, you see an advertisement for a mobile game or something, you click it, it downloads it onto your mobile platform, you're staying in the platform here, you can't advertise on the device, they don't have that. Um You can only advertise on other mediums, and then you need to do that little transfer to the other one, and you always lose people when you do that, which means everything's much more expensive, and in this case, it just haven't been able to prove it's effective at all um so with this tight integration between google and their plot and their mobile platform i think they're moving to a position where they might be able to transition mobile advertising into being able to successfully advertise voice apps hmm. and that's perhaps what i would look at if i was working in google
0: it sounds like something that would be up more kind of more up google street that doesn't it you know what I mean? Paid advertising to, um, cause they do it everywhere else. Don't they on, on mobile and, and stuff like that?
1: Well, they are an ad company. Mm. I mean, uh, people often try to compare Google and Amazon with voice, but I think they're both coming at it from very different directions. I think Amazon wants to sell things in the marketplace. That is primarily what their company is about. Google sell advertising. That is primarily what their company is about. So no matter what you know, they may say, or what their ambitions are, they kind of get their projects get drawn in those directions. Okay. They're always going to be evaluated the higher up you go by the chain about how much they do one of those things. So yes, I do think Google is closer to it. Now Amazon could do a similar play and try to tie it into the marketplace deeper and sort of say, okay, well really we want skills that help facilitate buying stuff in the marketplace. you see a lot of things like where, um, People do newsletters or podcasts or something. I said, oh, and by the way, here's a special coupon code for such and such. And, you know, you buy advertising certain products with a certain code. Your customers get a discount. They get to sell their product and you get a kickback. OK, mm-hmm. that would be much more of an Amazon type solution to the problem. It would be interesting to see them just say, OK, fine. <laughs> We're trying to sell <laughs> stuff in the marketplace and, and embrace it.
0: Do you think it's because... That's their main objective in terms of trying to use the platform as a way to sell stuff. Or do you think it's because culturally, as a company, they don't have either the same kind of leadership or vision or culture that Google would just naturally take on? Does that make sense?
1: No, it's it's there are corporate cultures and they're hard to buck. I mean, a lot of my, you know, I've been very vocal on Slack with some of my criticism of Amazon and, and some of it is that that IBM culture, which is what I'm immersed in, mm. is very different from the Amazon culture. And, you know, I, I've come to realize that I have these false expectations <laughs> about <laughs> which again come from my cultural viewpoint um, and has caused this sort of thing. So I think the companies do have their different cultures that does influence things. Uh, They have their different base business models, which can be hard to get around, okay? Now, AWS has managed to get around that because that's not really behaving like Marketplace. It doesn't exist solely to boost stuff in Marketplace, okay? And it's been very successful, okay? Um, You know, so it can be done. Uh, The Alexa stuff came out of their mobile division, okay? The Fire tablets, the mobile gaming stuff that they... God bless them, keep trying to promote. But even as a mobile developer, I looked at it and I tried to do something on there and I'm like, I just can't deal with this. Um, They have not been very successful there. So that's kind of where this came out of. And it's like, it's either got to conform and embrace what their company is good at or it's really gotta live for itself and be its own thing. That's what AWS did and ended up being extremely successful. Voice needs to either break away from that, you know, develop its own backbone, or you know, probably develop its own, you know, very passionate executive in the company to mm-hmm. shield them from the pressures to go that way and make it its own thing, or it's just gonna say, Okay, let's really go with the company's strength. That's my opinion.
0: Mm. And then so you kind of said that you put six swords in maintenance mode in kind of around about December time. Um have you kind of got any other aspirations to to kind of get back involved in the voice space whether it's devices aside so echo and google home and stuff aside that the you know the whole kind of using voice to interact with either the internet or technology or anything like that is sazazu exploring any other avenues or is it still kind of of interest to you or are you waiting for you know either amazon or what have you to to change kind of tactic
1: Well, the thing is, most of these other opportunities require something we're not good at. For example, hardware, okay? Enabling a refrigerator to be able to talk to your refrigerator or something like that. Mm. We're not good at hardware. I am a software engineer. Hardware unsettles me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a gadget guy. So Internet of Technology, it's like, you know, we've got three voice activated switches in our house two of them are sitting in a box next to me <laughs> and we got around to like putting them on something um you know we're, we're those aren't our strengths their strengths are kind of you know like native software type stuff so if you're looking at a pure software solution um this is kind of where it is with these voice apps and these platforms it's a little hard to go outside of that because you know, we've had you know people come to us on the consulting side and really want to do these things And i'm like you know really the answer is you want your own platform okay because you just want to do one thing and you know that's this is a generic this is a an open platform for doing lots of different things on where you want to put this in a secure environment you really just wanted to do one thing we thought we had hoped that there would be a big play to make around the business side of things So am very excited when um uh, amazon came out with their um uh what was it alexa for business okay because mm-hmm. that could have had a huge amount of potential but we're not really convinced that they're taking it in the right it seems like they're really just going back to this is a way to sell audiovisual hardware okay as mm-hmm. opposed to the other side which is let's work with businesses who are mostly going to write internal stuff to enable their own stuff to really make an internal voice platform out of this i mean from a very simple very simple example is that they want you to put an always listening device into your conference rooms or you have client confidential conversations taking place but they don't have a privacy clause in their agreement <laughs> that says they will never and they will destroy all records and never ever ever listen to what was said that's wow. that's just a you're dead on the starting block for so many companies with that
0: that does sound like a <laughs> that does sound like a challenge. That especially some of the well, the place where I'm at, at the moment, that would be a, an absolute no go. <laughs> and <laughs> th- th- that's the thing that things are starting to get more and more. Um, and people and companies in general are starting to get more and more sort of um, attuned to the whole privacy thing, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? And I think that yes. to not to have not to have a that kind of agreement in place, that would you know that's well, I think that would kind of put off quite a few people. That.
1: Yeah, this is why it makes me think that they're mostly talking to the hardware vendors as opposed to the business consumers. But, you know, I think, yeah, I did a short stint as an ethical hacker. So, you know, and that really twisted my brain so that, yeah, I'm always looking at things from a security standpoint. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, how can we hack that? And <laughs> <laughs>
2: And Joe, what do you think about the future for voice on mobile? Uh, You know, voice first has been the the sexy thing in the news, but do you think there's a future for voice interaction on mobile as well?
1: I think, you know, I think that's a good idea. I mean, what we see is like Amazon has started bringing out devices with screens, okay? Which in general, I think is a bad idea um, in the sense that, you know, once you add a screen to something, it stops being this, you know, eyes-free app and it starts being something that you can look at and talk to. And once, you, if you really start, I mean, either you have to ignore the screen and develop something that is the right design experience for voice only, or you start incorporating screen elements. And because we're just so overwhelmingly experienced at doing screen stuff, you know, it takes a really, really iron-willed developer to not make the screen predominant in the design. And mm-hmm. if the screen's predominant in your design, you have to stop and ask yourself, why am I writing a screen enabled voice app instead of writing a voice enabled mobile app? And we have a lot more experience at doing mobile apps, mm. you know? And so I think that's, I, that may be the, if, you know, this whole voice system thing turns out to be a fad and kind of disappears. I think the legacy it will leave is that our other apps, mostly on mobile will be a lot more, Voice aware. Many of them might start having voice modes, where it's like, okay, yeah, this is the recipe I want. Now, you know, you put your phone down, but you leave it in voice mode,
0: mm. sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That's the way that it seems as though a few things are already going down that route. I know that I've seen a thing on Twitter where Spotify had been trialing. A little kind of voice-enabled search feature, or something like that. I think, and there's a few other apps that I've noticed. I think Domino's has one where, if you open the Domino's app, there's a little microphone there. You can tap that, and then it's voice-enabled. So it's kind of, I think that what you just mentioned there seems to be potentially yeah. already happening, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's it's
1: a hard thing to. I mean, it's hard for a voice-only thing to compete with something. And once they are, once that becomes more mainstream, then you you take away a lot of the value proposition of having this dedicated hardware speaker that's wired to the wall. Hmm.
0: Cool. So that's the kind of, um, the kind of structural ecosystem surrounding it. And it sounds as though there's a few challenges there to, to um, monetize um, these kind of voice applications or audio applications, I think is what you've kind of termed it. And some of the things I've seen from yourself Um, in some of the, some of the things um, do you think that some of these uh, monetization things are down to the vendors as in Amazon and Google or is it is is there any kind of scope for monetization I know that you've mentioned in a few of your um, YouTube videos there's there's kind of an easy way to monetize and a hard way to monetize in this kind of industry I don't know if it's if you want to kind of share your thoughts on on those two things well
1: you know the easy way to monetize is to sell services. Okay, we do the consultancy. We've you know probably made more money on the consultancy side, or we could make a lot more money. Unfortunately, we're honest consultants, and most of our consultancy goes to the yeah. That's not a good idea for voice apps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, there's a lot to be done there. But the problem with that, you know, is that if you're trying and people selling developer services like that, yeah, you can make money hiring out to somebody writing voice apps for them, but if they can't make money on their voice apps, they'll eventually work that out and you won't have the business anymore, mm. which is why we mostly focus on how do you make, that's the hard way is how do you actually make money on voice apps? Because if you can't do that, the other way is a, well, let's pick the money from the money tree now while it's in bloom, because it's gonna go away.
2: Mm.
1: So, and again, I think I, I laid out kind of three steps, you know, sort of kind of facetiously. This <laughs> is <said, laughs> step one, you know, build something of value Okay, you have to do something that's value. And part of that is step two, which is find people who value it. Okay, Mm -hmm. and step three is to ask them to make money off them. Okay, ask for them for money. Uh, Right now, it's that middle bit is the hard bit. You know, building something of value, that's up to program ingenuity. Okay, a lot of people, a lot of clever ideas out there. You know, there's plenty of that. Step three, get their money from them. Okay, is what everybody's hung up on. Okay, mm. and it's like, oh, we need a monetization API. We can't do this, and I'm like, uh, crude, crude word. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what PG audience rating is, but <laughs> you know, already have a you know crude, crude word monetization API. Okay, <laughs> and right. no one's using it. Okay. Uh, B. I've got six different ways that I can monetize. And StarLanes had in-app currencies. Okay, we sold T-shirts. We did merchandising for StarLanes. Actually, we have T-shirts for Six swords too. because nobody buys them? Um, <laughs> you know, there, there's you know subscriptions. You know, yeah, Amazon's coming out with the subscription things, but that doesn't stop you doing it now. Okay, there's no reason that makes it a little easier, but you can still do that. OK, there's any number of other ways, you know, and I have a list of them somewhere, you know, that you can monetize right now. So number three is already taken care of. OK, it's that middle bit. It's the user acquisition bit. And that is the one bit that I feel we are constrained by the platform and that we need a platform solution there. OK, either that or somebody much smarter than me. OK, I, you know, I like to say, you know, I tried harder than anybody else to make money on this mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> through native apps. OK, and I have not been successful. I've tried everything I can think of. And I haven't heard something from other people that I haven't thought of that applies to my little domain. Mm. Uh, you know, there are people making money on this through different ways, but for, you know, the, the native apps, it's like that, you know, somebody either has to think of something new or the platform have to finally decide they want something here.
0: Mm. Have you heard from any other skilled developers who've had, um, you know, even half as much success as Six Swords in terms of either user numbers or retention and whether there's any kind of patterns or similarities. It seems as though, from, from, from correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems as though from what you've discussed, it sounds as though it's a lot of the power rests in the hands of, in the Echo example, Amazon, for example, and it's whether or not they choose to promote you in their newsletter or on the front page of their app is that the pattern for all popular apps do you think? Or I don't know if you've spoke to any other people who have developed apps and Dustin maybe you might have any insights from your perspective. Is that the the real way that things get adoption is purely by Amazon promoting it for you?
1: I'm not I'm sure I am aware of a popular app that isn't something that Amazon has promoted. So most of the people who don't think there's a problem with user acquisition are perfectly happy with the money they're making are the ones that Amazon are heavily promoting. Coincidentally <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, you know, there are people who are making a lot of money on dev payouts, but again, they have no control over it. That's, you know... back. I think, you know, dev payouts are bad for the environment. Um, Google made an interesting point. They had a... Conference call on development there, and somebody said, "Hey, are you going to start paying us money like Amazon do?" And they say, "No, we don't want to do that. We want to make, we want to give you the features that you can make money yourself." Mm. Okay, and I think they're right in the sense that that is healthier because then you have a self-sustaining thing. Whereas Amazon stuff, as long as they're willing to cut checks out of their marketing department, they'll continue to get those payouts there. And I would never base a business model on them. (laughs) But again, also because really it's hard to acquire those. So I think that you know. Yes, but to, but that's also um, – it's hard to answer, honestly, because other than what Amazon promote, I'm not aware of other skills, okay? I'm not sure how I would know that something was popular other than seeing it in the app or kind of hearing people talk about it and things like that. I don't think I've heard from any source about a, while. Well, this is a really cool app, et cetera, et cetera, that isn't something that I saw
0: in one of the Amazon promotional things. Mm. What about you, Justin? Have you had any different experiences in that respect?
2: No, my experience is about the same as Joe's. I think if I if I knew how to promote my my skills to get a ton of users, I'd be a, a much happier guy.
0: <laughs> Fair <laughs> news So um one of the things that and I, and I know that this is something that, that is often said in response to that, is that it's early days, and you know the the platforms are immature, etc. Your view is different to that, Joe, isn't it? Do you want to tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how it's not quite early days, and why your view of of, of that would be different?
1: Yes, yes, I'm contrary in there, I've <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. been <laughs> doing it for a long time. But um, so, define early days. Okay, my definition of early days is not a time one. It's a are th- there frequent releases of disruptive features. Okay, if you look at mobile development, you know, Android 1.2, Android 1.4, you know, the world changed. Okay, wasn't until we got to like 2.3, 2.2, and I forget what, you know, confection they were named after, (laughs) that it really became kind of stable, okay, in the sense that they weren't bringing out things that are like, oh my God, I have to completely, there's a whole new app I can write now, or oh my God, you know, that completely invalidates what I've already done, Mm. okay. That's how all platforms start okay there's like this and then suddenly this new capability comes along which so changes the field that everything you've done makes no sense anymore Mm -hmm. okay and that is how i you know and it's like they also do this like a hockey stick graph okay where you know the things tail off over time and that's how you know when it's mature and now people are ready to engage this seriously because you can make longer term business plans i mean And we're very attuned to that because we like being in that curvy section there, because the whole point is we want to get in there. And yeah, we're going to burn some time making things that then get invalidated by later features. But we're developing the experience and we have a better understanding about why that feature was developed because we've gone through the pain of not having it. And then once people are ready to engage in the steady state, we can give them our advice. Um, When I look at voice. You know, our best, okay, so the most rewarded app that we have, i.e. the only one that still gets developer payouts, is 21 Blackjack, for which we haven't changed the line of code in, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, okay? There's nothing new in it, you know, it doesn't take advantage of any of the new features they brought out, um, there's nothing in there that's made it, that there's nothing they've done which we could have used to make it more successful. Okay. So, and if we look at the pace of features coming out, they're all what I call incremental features. There's no uh, disruptive features. Okay. Even Google. The, Google, the last release from Google had a couple of things that I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that could change things. And I haven't even, I haven't fully thought them through yet to decide whether yeah that that really because they're all drawing it towards a mobile it's, mm. it's those sort of things which may be the direction this all has to go in i don't, mm. i haven't decided yet okay but those are the only ones that have given me pause everything else that has come out it's like entity resolution i mean who cares okay you can solve that <laughs> in code okay i already ha- i already the thing is like i said i have very advanced libraries and half the time amazon come out with a future that I've been doing for six months because I came up the idea. I can do it based on what they've already done and I put it in my system and I'm already using it. They bring out it. Officially, I'm like, that's nice, but it doesn't help me. You know, it's not a foundational difference. So this is my contrarian view on the early days is that we're not there because it's been pretty steady state for the most part, you know, some new things, et cetera, et cetera, but nothing that really is, you know, overwhelming yet no one has come up even though we've had this stability no one has really come up with a successful a strategy before it's being successful here other than brand promotion
0: mm. and do you think that because i'm just i'm just trying to think of skills that that either i've used or that i'm aware of that have been successful quite a lot of them are relatively straightforward. So the knock-knock jokes, the Jeopardy quiz, you know, the the, the and all, most of the templates that, that are available kind of follow those kind of lines, don't they? Do you know what I mean? It's it's a game, it's a question and answer, it's a kind of request and response. From what I've seen, and maybe I just haven't delved too deep into um, the world of, of skills that are out there, but from what I've seen, the Six Swords is pretty, is probably the the most, you know, it's kind of, there's no boundaries, is there? It's just a, a really immersive, engaging, complex kind of environment. And I'm not sure that I've seen that elsewhere. So is it because of those reasons that you've just mentioned in terms of it's, it's uh, the features that are there and features that are going to enhance things immeasurably? Or is it because actually the skills that are being produced are either um fairly simple and rudimentary and not quite as in-depth and as complex or as engaging is it is it a platform problem or is it a design problem do you think
1: well there's you're asking a number of right questions and you're asking a number of wrong questions okay there's a couple of things in play there okay so let me tease it out my way Mm -hmm. okay uh one is Six Swords is vastly more complicated than almost anything else. Six Swords was very hard to write, Mm. okay? Um, I'm a very experienced developer. We charge a lot of money per hour for me to do development work. Most, but the thing is, is because there's no money in skills, Mm. nobody's engaging it professionally, okay? So I've dumped in time-wise, you know, $150,000, $200,000 of time into six swords okay Mm. you would be insane to do that with real money this is my time i'm burning my time okay Mm. it's still valuable you know and and again i would never trade it for another hour with my kids i mean like i said do it after they go to bed important things are important things Mm. but you know uh most people are doing it for self-entertainment or interest or stuff like that consequently they kind of draw the line at a certain level and they're not willing to go into that level of complexity okay so Mm. some of it's that is that you know nobody's investing in complex stuff because it's expensive and there's no obvious return we took a gamble we took a risk looks like we're probably going to lose everything but that's part and parcel to it Um, so that's one aspect of it another aspect of it is that's not worth it that maybe really for voice it's sufficiently limited that these little quick exchanges and sort of you know hey what's the value of bitcoin And 80 skills answer you. Uh, Oh, now I have it. Now I move (laughs) on with my stuff. Okay. Maybe that's what people want out. Maybe people don't want to sit and talk to their their machine for, you know, hundreds of hours. I mean, I have people to do that. Maybe they're nuts. Okay. Um, You know, to some degree, actually, and to be fair and to be honest and full disclosure, I've discovered, you know, over time talking to some of these people that a lot of them are visually impaired. Okay. Mm. And, I mean, mean, again, because everything's anonymized, I don't know a lot of my users, okay, but the ones I've connected with on forums, okay, and the ones who've written to me, a lot of them tend to be visually impaired, and they really like it, because it is a substantive game, okay, Mm. that they can play. I had a letter from a mom, okay, she first wrote to me saying, hey, you got a mature rating, why is it mature, and I'm like... I don't know why it's mature. I let me I, I got Amazon to change it, but you know, <laughs> I said, other than, you know, chopping monsters to bits indiscriminately, you know, I can understand as a parent, you may not approve of that, but you know, other than that, no, there's no hidden brothels or anything like that. And she said, No, oh, I'm fine with chopping monsters to bits, that's all right. But then she came back and said, you know, my son is blind. Okay. And he is just delighted that he his older brothers are not blind and they love playing computer games. Okay, and he is just delighted that he has something to do some that he has now has a computer game he can play like his brothers. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's one of the reasons I stick with it. <laughs> it's like Okay, we're non-commercial mode and hobbyist mode, but it just, you know, brings tears to my eyes and but on a larger sense, and you know, and the design sense that maybe these long complex things I've been doing are completely ill suited for the market that really nobody has the patience to sit there for you know tens to hundreds of hours engaged in a deeply immersive you know audio game unless that's all they can do
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, so you know that could also be an answer okay
0: so the and that's that's one of the use cases is is for people with with accessibility needs for the voice first devices and I think you mentioned that Starlings was a game where you thought You would try and take advantage of the whole multiplayer side of things. And I know I read read a stat it might have actually been on VoiceBot, that was saying that 50% of Alexa uh, or Echo usage is done with more than one person there. And I'm just thinking, even just myself, you know, there's so many screens kicking around that, you know, nobody really wants another screen because we've got far too many screens anyway. We spend all day looking at a screen. So that kind of downtime, I've heard lots of stories of people having rooms where, you know, you can't, in the house where you can't take your phone in, it's just a quiet snug where you can have a break away from technology and spending more time with family and stuff like that. So with with people spending, you know, that kind of trend bubbling on and then with a lot of Alexa usage being um, kind of happening with more than one person present, I'm wondering whether that's kind of an area that might be an opportunity in terms of something that's a little bit more in-depth than a question answer, you know, you know, like Jeopardy or something like that. Um, I'm wondering whether that's a a, a use case or or something that is, I know know, it's not early days necessarily in terms of the platform capabilities, but is it early days in terms of user behavior and adoption and usage of these devices? And can you see that scenario I've just mentioned kind of playing out in the future?
1: It's an interesting thought. Okay. Um, I actually, I'm not sure. I was saying there's more than one person in the room because the thing is it performs the worst when there's more than one person in the room because i'll be there i'll be (laughs) testing one of my skills and my kid will come up and ask a question and you know my knee-jerk reaction is like don't interrupt me i'm using alexa (laughs) 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 stop playing with the thing and talk to your kid You you know but in the sense it's like you know right now it's like i know we're all exerting effort here not to talk over each other (laughs) (laughs) because in a normal face-to-face dialogue okay we're all oh yeah that's right and and did it did it and we're all overlapping each other and stuff etc etc like that if you put a voice system into an environment where you do have multi-people people people and you do want them to interrelate with the device as being a co-partner there right now it's all call and response so it doesn't work there Um, if, and that would be a disruptive feature, if, A, that you could get continual things so that as people said stuff, it got beamed off to your skill instead of in these nice little packets, that would be a disruptive feature. If, as people talked, it could send off the information as it happened in real time, and then you could send back responses in a streamed way, as opposed to this atomic call and response thing that we have now, Mm. that would be a huge thing. If you could further tag the different things with who said them and if it was smart enough so that when two people are talking at once it could you know filter both of those out because that's just that's actually a small technical problem compared to even understanding what they're saying Uh, you know know, that would be really interesting okay and that's something where we could possibly start to go in that direction i think with what we have now where you have to do call and response that it's going to be hard to leverage that sort of setting
2: and speaking speaking of that, you came in. You mentioned early days for user behavior, Joe. I know you've got a strong disagreement with the advice to design your skills for natural language conversation. Uh, can you do, jump into that a little bit?
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. I do. Uh, you know the typical response that you get both from you know Google and Amazon, uh, and designers who are good designers. But not have not done a lot of work with this sort of call and response voice design stuff. Okay, uh, and again, I'm a developer. I'm not a designer. I, I I worship designers. I love UX people. I think they're great, and I try to learn everything I freaking can from them because they do magic. Um, and I'm just faking it here, <laughs> you know. So you know, but I see people with a lot of UX experience come into this and say, "Oh, you want to make the best human experience. So you want to talk like a human. You want to be understood like a human. You want the person to just." talk with you and from a pure design perspective they're right i mean when i've got my ux designers when you know i was actually castigating one of them on my team because he was coming out with something he said well yeah we could do it that way but that would be really hard to implement like no 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 that's not your job (laughs) (laughs) with the best interface possible okay and then if it's going to be too hard to implement, then we'll talk about watering it down. But no, that your your design as a designer is to do that, and that's what designers are doing. They're saying, make it you know talk like a human. Okay, the problem was is that the problem is in this field that is very hard to do. Okay, it's it's we and that's another place where we just don't have the technology. I can't think of a library that can take. Rambling human speech, okay, and all the varieties and education levels you get when you expose something to the mass market, and be able to come up with actionable things that a computer can act on. Just having the text alone isn't enough. Okay. You need to be able to like semantically extract from them when they're referring to something they said three sentences ago, or you know, stuff like that, to work out what they really meant in concrete terms. Now, we do this as humans all the time, but we got you know brains that are really attuned to that. And if I don't understand what you're saying, I'd ask you to say it again. Okay. And you understand that and you say it a bit differently. You know, when Alexa doesn't understand and you say it again, it hears exactly the same thing. <laughs> it, just, it doesn't learn, it doesn't, you know, develop. And there's, you know, we need some really, really crunchy, you know, really expertise, you know, people in natural language processing to even begin to think about doing that. Where we are now is gisting. Okay. When you say something, A computer can get the gist of what you want to say. So the skills that work the most successfully are the ones that are basically stuff like information lookup, okay? Really, it's just looking for keywords, okay? It's not really trying to understand what you're saying, but just kind of what you're getting at, okay? And from that, it can say, okay, let's piece a few of these together and let's go and do that query. And if you just talk to Alexa outside of a skill mode, that's kind of what it's doing there. It's like... That's kind of what it's doing there. It's, it's taking like, okay, I understood these bits. Let me give you an answer related to those bits. And I'm sure you've been pretty frustrated sometimes <laughs> trying to get answer a very specific question. And it keeps going off on this other tangent because it doesn't know how to. So this is why I, you know, what I general design advice I give is absolutely 100% totally break your back, making your skill talk like a human. Okay. You have complete control over that. Okay. I burn a lot of time on six swords because you get into a combat. It's like you're six guys against 40 goblins. Okay. A lot happens, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of sword swinging. There's a lot of, you know, you know, things dying, things taking damage, you know, and you've got to tell the person this without boring them to death. Okay. You know, at one point it's like, okay, I've got to take these 60 results and condense it down to something. Okay. That's cogent, and you know, you know, sounds like a socially awkward fourteen-year-old saying it, and that—that's my design goal. Okay, if we can achieve that. That's great, and it takes a lot of work, you know, because you know, English is terrible, you know, it's, you know, you know, making it, you know, because I would do it and I would, and I just sat there, and I'm like, okay, sat and did a fight, listened to the answer, and say, okay how would I say this? I would not say this, I would say this, and then go back and add code until it said it the way I wanted to say it. But I'd do something else, listen to it again, and say, okay, does that sound like it's a person talking? No, it sounds like it's a computer talking. How can I change? <laughs> and it's a lot of work to like merge together, run on sentences, and to do run on sentences, because you know, that's how people talk. Um, but I say, when you're writing how you hear from the person, the trick the design goal is there is to slowly, subtly, and hopefully unnoticedly teach the computer to t- teach the human to talk like a computer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that you're back to, you know, single commands, you know, just sort of simple things like, <clears throat> you know, you, and again, that makes sense for long run skills. Like, you know, you know, you spend an hour talking to, you know, playing D D on the thing. You're not going to say, what is in my inventory? It's like, what am I carrying? You know, how I got this. It's like, you know, You know, after you've done that a couple hundred times, it gets old. (laughs) And so, again, (laughs) various levels of prompting and stuff like that and, you know, some techniques that I encourage, you know, you slowly train them to be able to say that, you know, you can just say inventory. And so Mm -hmm. the people who have been playing it forever sit there and they go like north, 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 enter, east, fight, fight, fight. Runaway. You know, it's down to like the. there. In fact, some of them, you know, they'll sit there and halfway through Alexa's response, they're like, you know, they interrupt it and you're like, Alexa, fight.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know where this is going. I've heard this prompt a bunch of times. You know. And, and, and you know they, they go for complete terseness because they already you know what's going on. And what I likened it to, what I liken it to oftentimes is um teleprompt things, okay? I am sure when Voice prompt systems first came out okay and I'm not sure I was using a telephone when they first came out I think that was that was even before my time uh, you know people run them and they're like, oh pre- press two for you know blah 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 and people say two please you know and, and, and they'd be polite to them and they'd be nice to them because it, they were interacting with it like a human, okay which is exactly what people say they do with Alexa now. OK, that they, she's a person, you know, she's this nice little lady who lives in a, a box, a cylinder, you know, and they, they talk to it as a person. But I think that's a point in time thing. I think that, you know, especially I watch my kids and they're, you know, they're they're not polite.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, you know, do this, play this. And, you know, it's like, you know I said, play. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and if we look at ourselves using these, you know, one, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just we're not there to talk to somebody. We're there to do something. Okay, we want to go, we want to get, you know, what are the opening times for this store? What's the, you know, what's my current balance in my bank account? And we want to do the minimum thing to get through this menu as possible to get to the value part. Okay, Mm. so in the same sense, you know, people, right now, people have fun talking to Alexa. Okay, and this is, again, trying to work out whether we're in fad or, you know, it's going to keep going. Okay, that comes down to... Is it delivering value right now? There's plenty of entertainment value in trying to talk to it and you know make it understand and listen to it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But mm. as we get over that, okay, and these become ubiquitous, people need value, they have to be able to efficiently interact with this to get what they want out of it, okay. And I am not convinced that verbose, conversational, human like interfaces are going to get us there. Mm. I may be wrong, time will tell. But that's certainly the state of the technology and where I think we have to go to interaction wise leads me to say and to give the advice that to, you know, know, get them start with verbose, but try to train them into understanding that they can just bark commands at it.
2: Hmm. And Joe, you mentioned a while back information retrieval. This is something that's interesting to me. I work day in and day out uh, (coughs) building building search experiences, working with search engines. Mm -hmm. And I think with voice, once you get past 10, 15, Different things that you can look for, and you're looking for a, a huge corpus of information. Voice gets pretty tricky, and you've you've released something recently, uh, a fuzzy lookup. Can you talk about how that works?
1: Yes, it's. Um, you're right. Okay, once you get, I mean, one of our um, contracts, and I think it's 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 published out there. You can look it up. I can't remember the name, but it was with um, ophthalmologists. And they wanted to have a, an interesting sort of um, concierge, part concierge, part quick lookup thing. And they want to say, okay. Uh, and that was, you know, again, you can do that. It's keyword based, but presbyopia, myopia, glaucoma. <laughs> these don't recognize that well. <laughs> 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 Alexa's not so good at, you know, the, the 25 cent words. It's, it's, you know, you get specialized vocabulary and having a tight audio model is supposed to help correct for that, okay? And the success is a little limited around that, but you know, there there is some sort of stuff there. Unfortunately, they don't offer any sort of training program where you can, you know, say, hey, can I give you some money and make it really good at these words when you're in my skill? They don't have mm. that. Uh, which would make certain commercial opportunities more available. Now, so what you're left with, especially when you start getting to a broad range, that's where you're talking about technical language. When you get to a broad range, it's like there's a 400-something monsters in Six Swords, okay? And I want to have a feature that says, what is blah, okay? You know, bronze dragon, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and, you know, when you get into, you know, goblin, you know, uh, when you get to, like, hobgoblin or a bugbear or, you know, some of the weirder d d monsters, it, it doesn't really understand. So you have that other problem of breadth, okay? A lot of people have the problem that they have a constantly changing vocabulary or the vocabulary changes on a per-user basis, Okay. There's also the fact that uh, Amazon will let you come up with a canned slot. They call it a custom slot. Like, here's my vocabulary. This is what I want you to recognize. The trouble is if Amazon hears something that they're pretty sure they know what they heard, but it's not on your list, they'll tell you what they heard instead of what's on your list. Okay. And a lot of new people come into it, they don't realize that. So they're like, why is it giving me this word? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they code their code to only respond to stuff on the list. So what I always say to people is you need, if you're going to use custom slots or any sort of open input, you need to have some sort of fuzzy matching, okay? Fuzzy matching is where the literal word you get back, you essentially go and compare it to what you are expecting to get or what you wanted to hear. And you come up with a confidence level. For example, in Starlanes, uh, one the pieces you moved around some of them were attack drones okay it's all drone warfare okay and i found that alexa was fairly consistently returning attack drums okay you know which would be great for like a, a Zulu game but you
0: know <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's very close to attack drones okay and that's what really pushed that's the first thing that pushed me to putting fuzzy matching in but the idea is there's a couple of different algorithms some of them have been around as literally as long as the phone book because that's what they were invented for um that essentially help you work out when records certain things are phonetically close okay <laughs> some of them are easy to do that they're standard libraries for uh double metaphone are algorithms that i recognize recommend to people who want to do their own stuff when they're starting uh, I've moved beyond that. I've got some more advanced stuff. What I've just been messing with lately is uh, basically taking the words and converting them into phonetics, okay? The International Phonetic Alphabet is a way of phonetically representing usually English words. It's not as good in other languages. Um, so take the word, convert it into this alphabet where, you know, there's no homophones, okay, or they all condense to being the same thing, okay? And then taking the same thing from a vocabulary, And then doing a match with those okay and there's another thing called levenstein distance which is normally used to see how far apart text words are from each other it's really bad for voice because what's written in text is not how it's pronounced especially in english um so it doesn't work well there but once you go into phonetics it is useful so that was kind of like the most advanced thing and i'm just rolling that out at six swords I, i i'm pretty pleased with how it's going i've got some kinks to work through but uh, I think it's definitely uh, a good strategy to go, and mainly because my I don't have a complete vocabulary for uh, for converting English words to IPA. Because I have uh, Carnegie Mellon published a dictionary, and that's great for the dictionary words. But when you get into you know goblins and some of these more esoteric words, <laughs> they don't know how to put them into IPA. And it is actually very technical. We we paid uh, I think sixty dollars to have one guy who really knew IPA convert two words for us. Okay. <laughs> You know, and it's because our eye doctors, the guy who was the, the, the people who commissioned us on this project, you know, they had two fairly ethnic names, okay, which we could not for love or money make Alexa pronounce correctly. And <laughs> it's the names of the people because they had to be right. So this guy, you know, and he did it. You know, it's like I said, I, I think designers do amazingly wonderful things. This guy had his domain knowledge and he was able to come up with these squiggly things in IPA that said it the right way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wicked. another thing that you that you've um that you've used in terms of trying to navigate around voice apps is the method of loki I'm wondering whether you can just share your thoughts on that what it is and how you've applied that to make sense of what could be a fairly complex kind of voice landscape
1: no yeah that is I, i'm I'm pretty pleased with how that turned it's one of there's you know again I'm not a designer I try to fake it as best as I can and there's one or two things I have come up with I'm like wow I invented some. That's good design. No one else has done this. It turns out I was not the first person to do this, so I'm not gonna. Tail streamer did it before me. So, uh, but I sort of could it. So the problem is this. Okay, there's a couple things voice is not good at. Okay, one is data entry. Okay, you know, he, he, God forbid trying to type in a URL to speak <laughs> a URL. Is just, yeah, forget it. Uh, another one is long lists of things. Okay, if you want a user to pick something out of a list of more than three objects, it's hard. Uh, but Another one is complex settings. Okay. That if you've got a bunch of stuff you, you you think of your typical dialogue box that pops up on the screen, you know, there's some drop downs, there's some check boxes, there's all this sort of stuff, and the user looks at it, picks the ones they want, clicks it in, doesn't. That's consumable okay trying to do that in voice becomes this huge titanic process of ifs and thens and else's and you know what do we ask for now and amazon tried to solve this with their little dialogue model thing they have and if you want to do a dialogue box exactly like that and you want to do it in voice eh, it's not a bad solution they came up with um but i don't think it's the right solution so i had this problem okay six swords is great uh, the guy who does actually, the magic door uh, came up with a service called Tailstreamer, where they can, he can render other voices. Okay. Uh, and, and Alexa, you're typically constrained to just speaking in Alexa voice. Okay. On Google, you have the choice of four voices, which are not Google's normal voice. Actually, that was pretty clever on their part because there's a very firm distinction between what Google assistant is saying and what a skill is saying, but mm-hmm. you had these four choices and they weren't great, but you know, they were distinct. Um, Whereas there are many more voices in the speech to text, text to speech world, uh, some of which are quite compelling. Alex is actually still probably the best, uh, but there are other ones that are nearly as good and they're different and they're distinct. Okay. Amazon Polly is one of these services. We did some static stuff with Polly and put that into our demotivate skill, and that came out better than the, the Alexa voice. It could do sarcasm a bit better, so we like that. Um, <laughs> but he came out with the services, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to incorporate all the different voices you get. So you had like 13 different voices. And for each voice, you could change the pitch up or down two levels. You could change the speed up or down two levels. This is great. This could add a lot of, <clears throat> this could add a lot of extra color and interest to Six Swords. I'd love to use this service, but I don't know what settings to use. It's like, okay, was this voice better than this voice? And I don't want to just pick one. Or do I have to go to each particular place? I want to use it and decide what to use there. And then some of them are, aren't great you know there's like this this little thing that sounds like an annoying brat it's just like yeah i don't think that one we don't (laughs) want to use that one but maybe it sounds better in a lower pitch i i don't know so what i really wanted to do is to put it in the hands of the users okay and let them experiment and then i just have to go and look at the stats of who did what and what's the most popular okay there's a good one like that but so i had this problem okay you've got 13 voices you've got five pitches you have got five speeds how do i let people pick this okay and then I remembered um, this method of loci thing. Okay, this is also called memory palace. Okay, and it's a term uh, all the top professional memorizers—people who you just like—they you know, see them like in you know talk shows. They go around the audience, and each person says something to them. At the end of the show, they go back and they tell them what they said. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the way they do that—that that this Roman thought of. Okay, it's also used by people who do spelling bees and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is he said, imagine in your mind a memory palace. There's this big. Palace. It's got rooms. It's got corridors. And what you're gonna do is walk through it. It's like I'm gonna go down the east wing, and then take like a second hallway on the left, and the third door on the right. I'm gonna put this memory into there. Okay. And you do this to kind of sort out your memories and give them all a the place that they're supposed to live. And when you want to remember something, you kind of walk through this and take them back off the shelf. Okay. Sounds mm-hmm. crazy, but they all use it. They say it works. I have not tried to actually do this, but you know, it's it. It's a, but I remember that. I'm like, okay, well. In Six Swords, we already have a geography, okay? You go around the place, you walk around the wilderness, you walk around towns. So what I did is I created a bardic college. You walk into the bardic college, it says, hi, we will train your voice here. So there's a little bit of immersion as well, but that's not essential to the idea. But the idea was you had a place and it said, oh, to the east, we will train you how to speak at different pitches. To the west, we will train you how to speak at different speeds and straight ahead to the north, we will train you with different accents. So you go north, and it's like, oh, okay, to the east from there, you can train yourself to speak in different male accents. To the right, you have a different female accents. You go to the right. It also says like, oh, to the north, we have uh, human accents. To the east, we have elven accents. To the south, we have dwarven accents. You know, you go into there, and then you have the choice of, oh, do you want to speak like a northern human? Or, you know, And again, it's all contextualized to that, but mm. what you end up doing is you, you're ending up picking something out of a list of 13. You're just doing it by walking a geography, okay, you go back to the start and you can take another passages and make a different choice about other elements of it. Okay, but people find it well, my what I'm putting out there is that is a lot easier for people to navigate. Than it is to have a complex dialogue. Like, okay well now i'm asking you this question well now i'm asking you this question you just have to slog through and you're not sure how to skip to the next to get out of this because it's not a dialogue box they're trying to do a dialogue box but if you don't know mm-hmm. how to tab or how to hit escape or something like that it's it's a little harder but if you're in a geography you know how to get back where you came from okay and again it's not just this is a very you know cutesy thing with six swords and voices but if you imagine having on your app saying oh you need help with that? Well, let me t- send you to customer service, and then you create this geography. It's like, oh, well, there's customer service desk is here. Uh, you know, the door to the right is for account information. And you know, again, really, it's just a menu, and you're walking yeah. through a menu, but you're casting it as a geography because people can relate to that. Large parts of our brains are wired for navigating through physical spaces. Okay, mm-hmm. and by leveraging that. It ups the level of complexity we can do in an audio skill by a lot, okay. And that—that's what I consider. That is, I I think, is a big potential contribution to this as a platform. It's like, you know, again, I've done big complex stuff. I'm always pushing the boundaries of complexity. Just like, how complex can we make this and still be usable? Okay, you know, is the user experience still good enough that somebody can do this and it's not a burden to them? And that, I mean, I was particularly happy with how that came out.
0: That's a really good idea, that, and I think that it's it makes also for a more immersive experience, doesn't it, as well, if you, you can kind of picture the rooms in your mind and you kind of, <clears throat> you know, it seems as though that's a really, yeah, really immersive and, and kind of engaging way to, to go about solving a pretty pretty complex problem there. Yeah. Um, well, yeah thanks thanks very much for joining us there Joe that was absolutely immense that was really really interesting I think it's refreshing to get um, a different perspective on things and to you know you know some of the kind of challenges you'd spoke about and some of the solutions as well to those challenges have been really really interesting discussing with you thanks very much um, <clears throat> so you're obviously you're still active on the slack channels we'll put links below to the uh, to the slack channels for those that aren't involved in there that want to be involved in there and you know if somebody wanted to hit you up with you know a request for either some consultancy or, or what have you, uh, where should they go?
1: Uh, Slack is fine. I'm often there. I'm, I'm there for work yep. anyway. So it's I see something pop up that's as easy. Um, uh, there's a Zaza Zoo website. You can link to that. Um that's that's easy. Uh, or just go at zazazoo.com works too. <laughs> uh, and I'm happy to, you know, chat and like you know, my wife is fond of saying, the first hour is free.
0: <laughs> if you have
1: an idea, and I'm very free with my opinion. Um, but again, it's like, you know, thank you very much. I hope that some people can spin some gold out of some of the straw I'm leaving here. You know, the fact that I have not been able to successfully do that, you know, might give you pause, and that's fair enough. I think you need to. Think that through uh, and decide whether you. Know, I could be completely on the wrong track here. <laughs> you know, but again, I. But again, what I say to people is, you need answers to the questions I ask. Okay, they can be different from mine. Okay. Yeah. But when it comes down to like making a business, it's like, okay, what are you going to make a value? How are you going to find people that value it, and how are you going to get money for them? That applies. Okay. Even if my conclusions you don't agree with, or you think you have better ones than me, that's great. No one would like to be proved wrong more than me okay (laughs) I would love to be wrong about some of these things because I'll go oh my god why didn't I think of that let me go do that because I've invested all this time
0: in it we'll see wicked wicked thanks very much Joe appreciate that that was joe the oracle jaquinta <laughs> you probably know why i have called him the oracle now the what that guy doesn't know about alexa skill development isn't worth knowing <laughs> i mean his experience is absolutely immense the conversation was madly stimulating thank you so much joe for uh, for joining us today if you haven't checked out six swords check it out it's a really really immersive skill uh well worth checking it out If you're not on the Slack channel, I'm going to link to the Slack channel in the show notes as well as everything else that we've spoke about today. If you're not on the Slack channel, then do get on the Alexa Slack channel. There are some really good discussions going on over there and Joe is a huge part of that. It seems so, as though whatever people ask, he's got an answer for. He's he's either tried to develop it, or he's built something into his library that solves these problems. You know, the discussion over there is immense, and Joe's a a huge, huge part of that. So I'll put the link in the show notes. Do check it out. I'll also put the links to Joe's uh, Joe's YouTube channel, um, because there's some really interesting videos on there. We touched on some of it in this episode, in terms of the easy way and the hard way to make money on this platform. Uh, I'll link to also to the voicebot podcast that Joe was on uh, last September, so you can check that out as well. And yeah, that was that was an immense episode. That we did discuss some things that we touched on in previous episodes, but we got into some real detail there based on Joe's experience in terms of some of the challenges involved in this industry. You know, retention, discoverability being two, monetization being another. Um, so there's been some real food for thought what i really wanted for this episode and i think we've actually achieved that pretty well was a different viewpoint on the industry, because what I don't want to happen is for this podcast to become an entirely kind of groupthink thing, where we don't address some of the real challenges that exist in the industry. And I think Joe really did kind of summarize a lot of that and get into detail in a lot of that, and the solutions to some of those challenges as well. Um, so yeah, thank you, Joe, for for joining us. Thank you, Dustin, for co-hosting, and thank you all for listening. Now, until next time, see you later. Bye.